Hi, I'm Sydney. And I'm Sam. And this is Books and Bagels. As always, before we get into our main book for this week, let's go over some of this week's reads. So this week I read The Henna Wars. I talked about starting this book a couple of episodes ago, but I finally ended up finishing it. And honestly, it was pretty good. It, I was kind of iffy about it at first. Um, and we are going to have an episode on this book, so I'm not going to talk too much about it. But I think that it's worth the read. It's just sometimes it's a little, a little too much, if you will. So I'll leave it at that and tune in in a couple of episodes for our episode on the Hedda Wars. So this week, speaking of books that come highly recommended by Book Talk, I read of, or rather, I tried to read of Fire and Stars this week, which is this fantasy book that um, is kind of gay is really all I kind of derive from it. Um, I couldn't finish it. And let me tell you, I love myself a queer romance. I will read any queer romance you put in front of me, okay? This is, this is what I thought. This book was really boring. I, it felt really generic to me. And the characters didn't seem to have that much chemistry. Like, I feel like sometimes when people are writing, like, queer female romances, they write it like the two are friends, and then eventually they kiss. Like, no. Two girls in a relationship with each other is different from two girls who are friends with each other. Friends to lovers is good, but there's got to be, like, something that, like, happens where I'm like, oh, wow, they are, like, crushing on each other. So I don't want to hear any of this stuff that's, like, I really missed her when she went away and like I wanted to spend all my time with her because like yeah like that's kind of gay that's a little like bordering on a crush but I need I need like a little a little bit more because that just feels like so generic and like poorly thought out to me and that was like the romance in this book and also I just felt like it was just trying too hard like it had all of these country names and you just didn't know where any of them were or like how they applied. And like, I feel like that's kind of the same for like a lot of fantasy books where they just kind of like throw you in the deep end. But um, 200 pages into this book, I still had zero clue who anybody was and like what exactly was happening. Um, so I kind of gave up on this book and instead decided to reread Siege and Storm, which let me tell you is incredible incredible i had to like fish myself out of the pond that i threw myself in so i was like let's reread some grishaverse and it's incredible and yeah watch the show this week sam and i are finally covering crooked kingdom by lee bardugo which if you have been here since the beginning is the sequel to six of crows which we covered way way back so our originals, you're, you still, you know what's going on. Shout out to you. So this book takes place immediately after the events of the last book and follows the crows as they attempt to rescue Inej from Jeanne Venek and win back their money. As Kaz puts it so eloquently in the book, I'm going to get my girl and I'm going to get my money. And that's the plot of Crooked Kingdom. 
And so normally we'd go over some important characters, but we did an episode on Six of Crows a while back. So if you're confused, we recommend taking a listen to that, especially if you've read neither of the books, because this is really throwing you in the deep end. Like Sam was talking about how Fire and Stars was a, a confusing. This is like a bomb of confusion. So you really, you don't want to be here if you haven't listened to the episode or read the book. Also, if you haven't read these books yet, like, I don't really know what to say to you, except why. Like, why? What are you waiting for? Um, Do it, and you will be happier. Guaranteed. So if you're a Grishaverse person, which you should be, um, you should be very aware of the various ships specific to the crows. So Sydney and I thought, since, like, this book is so character-based, we were going to go ship by ship. And talk about some of our favorite moments for each of the characters. Uh, because why generalize when you can be specific? So first, and definitely number one in my heart, is Wesper, aka the wonderful relationship that is Jesper and Wylan, our favorite sharpshooter slash fabricator and his chemistry boyfriend, which I have to say. I've never, like, gay people can't do science, so the fact that, like, Wylan is out there, like, smashing the stereotypes for us is real cool. Real cool. Um, Well, I guess there's one specific scene that people really associate with this ship, and that is the scene where Jesper accidentally kisses Kawei Yolbo after thinking that it's Wylan, because if you don't remember, Wylan got his face tailored at the end to look like Kuei, so they could kind of like, I don't know, like do a like little, I don't know, switcheroo on Jean Vinette. Um, And that scene is so funny to me because I'm glad like they didn't drag it on. Like it wasn't like the fact, like they never got together because like Wylan was like, you're in love with Kuei. But that scene is specifically really funny to me because Kuei like subtly flirts with Jesper throughout the entire book. And then you get to this kiss and Kuei like gets up and he's like, I really enjoyed that. And Jesper's like, something seems off about you. (laughs) And I just think that it's beautiful to have such a crush that you like know when you're kissing the wrong person, even if you've never kissed like the person you're crushing on. I think that that's really cute. Um, Um, And also their chemistry is beautiful. I want somebody to say to me, maybe I liked your stupid face. Like, can I make that happen? um, That scene is actually so funny to me because I have a fun story. So I was reading this book. I read the majority of this book poolside because I was fancy. And so I was reading this scene while my sister and my mom were like talking because they were both swimming in the pool. And they were talking and I could hear them the whole time. And I just like got to the scene and then I closed my book and I was like, no, we're not doing this today. And then I did not open it for the rest of the day. I can't blame you. I was so frustrated. I was like, listen, if they don't get together because of this, I'm going to kill every person for legal reasons. That's a joke. But I was like so frustrated because I hate I hate manufactured drama like that. But they managed to get together like a chapter later when Jesper was like, I thought it was you. And Mylon's like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, does make sense. Okay, so the next one we're going to talk about uh, is the 
relationship between Nina Zedek and Matthias Helvar, which I just learned the ship name is Helmet, even though neither of that is any of their first names, both last names, which I think is a bad way to do a ship name, but I rest my case. Um, so in this book, Matthias and Nina don't end up together, if you will. Um, they end up going to the same place, but one of them doesn't have a beating heart. I'll put it that way. And I think that this ship, because it, it's one of the ones that goes further back, like this relationship has a backstory. The other ones didn't. They sort of just like, woo, oh my God, we're here. Um, but this one has like a backstory and it's been like through ups and downs for years, years, I tell you. And uh, it gets really, before the um, stopping of Matthias's heart, um, the the scene, uh, the scene, the relationship really like does get like fleshed out and like you kind of, we're gonna talk about this specific, like this later, but like when Matthias dies, like you see how like dedicated to him uh, Nina was. And I think that that's a really nice thing. And I think that that's cute. Not that he died, that Nina was dedicated. One of my favorite things about Lee Vardigo, amongst everything about her, is that I think that she manages to bring like these really real life ideas into her literature. Um, ideas that like for so long fantasy writers like, we can't have representation, it's a fantasy book. Or like, we can't tackle like larger issues, it's a fantasy book. Like, you know, like kind of excuses that all these white writers kind of like put out there. Um, as a way to like justify centering whiteness in all of their books. And I do think like Lee Bardugo does a great job of proving that no, if you're a good enough writer, you can find ways to incorporate real life issues into your books. Um, and I think that Matthias's character is an excellent, excellent example of this because he is racist. Like, let's be frank here. He's racist. He's racist when he dies. But as the book goes along, you can see him kind of like, like working on and um, kind of like taking apart this, these hateful beliefs that he has internalized throughout his entire life. Because he lives in a very racist country or is from a very racist country. Um, so he spends a lot of Crooked Kingdom, like really trying to like, you know, kind of like take himself from the inside out, or sorry, really trying to like dig out and kind of like understand um, where this ideology about Grisha come from and like, what can he do to like make himself a better person um, and kind of like take out some of that, those um, structural beliefs that he harbors. Um, and I think that it's just like beautiful that he is like, that that's like seen in a book, that he's a very imperfect character, but he does it. Um, on the flip side of that, he's a very religious person. And I like that he never has to like sacrifice his religion in order to be like, um, in order to be somebody who loves and appreciates Grisha. Like he never is like, in order to be a good boyfriend to Nina and in order to love and support her as a Grisha, I have to like forsake all of my religious beliefs. No, he's like, listen, I can, these two things are not mutually exclusive. And I also think that's beautiful. And then lastly, in terms of the things that I love about this ship, um, 
or just these two characters really because i love their ship it's just the chemistry ah! um i love that nina is plus size is canonically plus size is like known for being like the like groups like seductress almost or just kind of like like she she's going and getting i'll say that and she's plus size and never once is like her weight called into question or like somebody judging her for the fact that she loves food and i think that that's beautiful um and i also do play a very important role in the story so yeah i just think that like they're great together i love them i think they're excellent together lastly but certainly not least, it's our favorite traumatized couple, Kanej. One half of it is Kaz Brecker, the boy he'll buy his crush a boat with her family on it, but not tell her that he likes her. And the other half is Inej, Ketterdam's Batwoman. A powerful duo if I've ever seen one. Um, and let me tell you, they pull out all of the stops in this book. There's this one line, he was gonna break my legs, she said, her chin held high, the barest quiver in her voice. Would you have come for me then, Kaz, when I couldn't scale a wall or walk a tightrope? When I wasn't the wraith anymore? Dirty hands would not. The boy, the boy who could get them through this, get their money, keep them alive, would do her the courtesy of putting her out of her misery, then cut his losses and move on. I would come for you, he said. And when he saw the wary look she shot him, he said it again. I'd come for you, and if I couldn't walk, I'd crawl to you. And no matter how broken we were, we'd fight our way out together. Knives drawn, pistols blazing, because that's what we do. We never stop fighting. Look at how extra that is. It's so extra, but it's so Kinesh. This is Kinesh. One beautiful little paragraph. It's perfect. My traumatized children. Uh-huh. I love them. Yeah, they're kind of wacky. Like, there's this one scene where, like, it's just a little wacky. Um, where Inej gets like, like stabbed, and he's like cleaning her wounds and stuff, and like helping her change her like um, bandages, and that is like basically making out for them. And when I was reading that book or reading that part, I was like, they're doing it. They were not. But like, Cash like can't touch people, so it was like. Pretty close for him. I appreciate. I appreciated that he was willing to do that for her. He 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 got over his um little fears of humans um for her. Yeah, we can appreciate that. We can appreciate a guy who suppresses the memory of floating down a river on his brother's back. Dead back, him. by the way. What? Need to specify his brother's dead back. His brother's dead back down a river for a girl. That's pretty, pretty cool, if you ask me. Because there is a big difference between floating down the river on an alive back and a dead back. Because one is rotting and one isn't. One is talking to you, one isn't. Sydney out here with the science. And so the next thing we're going to talk about is something that I sort of alluded to when I was talking about uh, Matias and Nina. But it is the death of Matias. And um, I am going to read you a chapter. Don't be scared. It's like three sentences, um, but it's a very depresso chapter, depressing chapter. Sorry, I became a millennial for a second. <laughs> it's a very depressing chapter, yet I'm smiling, and yeah, enjoy. Matias was dreaming again. 
dreaming of her. The storm raged around him, drowning out Nina's voice, and yet his heart was easy. Somehow he knew that she would be safe. She would find shelter from the cold. He was on the ice once more, and somewhere he could hear the wolves howling, but this time he knew that they were welcoming him home. Is that not very sad? Because this dude is- So sad. I've never seen a death POV like that before. It was just- Because this dude is dead, and he's like, I hope Nina's okay. I think she'll be safe. Like, he, that's literally his last thought. <laughs> like, oh, I just so also weird. find it so funny how chapter 41 just starts off with Wyland just doing things. And he's uh, like, wait, go back. We missed a chapter here. Like, wait, we skipped a few steps. It's very quick change of pace. But yeah, that chapter, Grace if you're listening, uh, that chapter, I was told not to read until I got to it. And then I went and I read it. Um, because of course, she told me not to read it. And how could I do what I'm told not to do the opposite. And so I prematurely learned what happened, but still had the same effect. It was very sad. See, yeah. I did the same thing. And it broke my heart. Who'd you wait, who'd you hear it from? Because you guys were talking about it, and I was like, I want to see what happens. Nope. Nope. I also nope. spoiled the end of Rule of Wolves for myself. I read the, like, last chapter. Or not Ooh, last chapter, um, last two pages, like, ha- when I was halfway through. Because I was like, I need to make sure, like, everybody's okay. Yeah, Matthias, may he rest in peace. May he be with the wolves. May he be with Gel. I'm going to be. a party with his wolves. You know, I'm going to be so sad when he dies in the show because you know it's going to be like a whole thing. And, like They're going to make a whole episode. It's going to be like... It'll be a whole episode. They'll be like... Wait, that's a wedding song. Yeah. It'll, they'll have dramatic music, though. I think it's important. I think it is. I just like slowed it down and I was like, this sounds like a good death march. Okay, next we gotta talk about our besties from the Shadow and Bone trilogy making a little appearance, helping out Zoya, Jenya, and Sturmhond. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, aka Prince Nikolai, which of course Kaz figures it out very quickly that it is actually Nikolai, a genius. Uh, they're perfect, uh, excellent, incredible works of art. I love them. I love Zoya. I love Jenya. I also love Nikolai. Um, they interacted so well. I thought that Jesper, like, fangirling over Sturmhan was, like, genuinely one of the best parts of the book. Um, and just, like, made my day. Made my day. And I'm so excited to see Nikolai and Jesper meet in the show. I'm so excited. I can't even like process that at, at the moment, but it's going to be perfect. It's going to be perfect. I the because this is also one of the, the main points of crossover between the two series. Um, I read Six of Crows before I read Shadow and Bone, and so I didn't actually know who these people were when I was reading about them the first time. Um, but because it kind of assumes that you would read Shadow of Bone. Oops. But this is one of like the things that really ties the Grishaverse together as a whole, you know? 
not because like these like the series they could stand alone you know maybe not rule of holes and uh king of scars king of scars but you know shadow of bone and six of crows could stand alone but these characters like as they tie themselves in together like that weaves uh, a blanket that can't be broken facts all right lastly y'all know what it is uh we gotta talk we gotta give crooked kingdom its own bagel and its own song um i'm gonna give a really generic song choice uh for this one i gotta go with trouble by valerie brassard because everybody's been making these fan edits with that song and let me tell you it actually sounds like it was made for this book and six of crows um i think it's perfect it's got like the like ugh, so good it's got like that angst and the nice beats i thought it's an excellent song um in terms of bagels I would not actually give this book a bagel. I've done this once before. I think I gave a book a muffin. I'm not remembering which book that was. But I'm going to go ahead and give this book a waffle. Y'all know why. Shout out to Nina Zenig. And last, but um, certainly not least, I would give this book a 5 out of 5 for obvious reasons. Um, it's incredible. It's beautifully done. The characters are fleshed out and they like have an actual arc, which is surprisingly rare these days. And everybody's just perfect. It's perfect. Obviously, I'm torn up about Matthias, but it felt necessary, especially when you read King of Scars and Rule of Wolves. Like, just like Nina's, like, like Nina is a different woman in those books and a better woman. Not that like death is good. I'm gonna stop now because I don't wanna like spoil anything that's happening. But let me just tell you that everything was perfect and I love Lee Bardugo. Yeah, so for my song, I'm gonna give it Bob Dylan's Masters of War because, you know, they are sort of masters of this fight to get their Kruja back, Krugi, Kruga, however you wanna say it because I have been calling it Krug, but apparently it's Krugy, whatever. Um, they want to get their, their, their payments, you know, and they're masters of it, especially Kaz. Um, for a bagel, I'm going to give this a blueberry bagel. Um, yeah, I think I gave Six of Crows a chocolate chip bagel, and blueberry and chocolate chip bagels kind of go together. Um, don't quote me on that, though. I don't actually remember. It was in, like, October. Uh, Finally, I'm going to give this book also a five out of five. And uh, this whole series, the whole Grisham verse, gets a five out of five. I'm actually going to be spending my weekend reading all the library books I have so that when I get King of Scars and Rule of Fools, I'm all fresh and I have no other commitments. Well, I have like school commitments, but I have no other library related commitments to read. Thank you. Sydney out. Books and bagels in the morning. As always, if you have any author recommendations, book recommendations, or anything related to books and or bagels that you would like us to discuss on the podcast, please feel free to email us at bagelsandbookspodcast at gmail.com. 